All right, let's turn in the Bible to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. It's a New Testament book. It's after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. First book there after the Gospels is Acts. While you're turning there, I want to say thank you so much. October was Pastor Appreciation Month, and this past Sunday, uh, the church had a party for us, our pastors. We have four pastors here in the church. Uh, we felt the love. It was encouraging. We thank you for that. Thank you for the gifts, the encouragement. Thank you for the cards. Uh, thank you for all of those things that showed appreciation. We do not take it for granted. We are thankful for a church that uh, feels like we love them, and we're thankful for a church that loves us back. So thank you all for that. Acts chapter 20, and as you see in the bulletin, we're going to look at the idea of repentance today. Uh, I like to play golf, and I, I do not play a lot of golf, and you can tell that I do not play a lot of golf because I'm not very good at golf, uh, but I like to play, and when I do play, uh, what happens in golf is you take a ball and you tee it up on the green, and you hit it as far as you can, hopefully in the direction of where the hole is, where you're trying to make it. So it kind of goes like this. You set it up right there, and you, you line yourself up like this. You got you to make sure that you're aiming right, but you're hitting the ball super far, and so just a little bit of, of turning can make a huge difference. And, and here's what happens to me almost every time. I get set like this. I give it one of those. That's not the way you're supposed to do it, but that's the way I do it. And, uh, and then, I, and then I, I hit the ball, and it almost never goes where I wanted it to go. And the guys I'm playing with will say something to the effect of, what were you aiming for? What, what direction did you think it was going to go? And I'll say, well, I mean, I was, I was, I was like this. And, they, and they'll say something like, well, well, look at your feet. You were actually aiming that way if you, if you look at your feet the way it was lined up. And you know, life is so much that way. You think your life is aimed in a certain direction, and then you end up somewhere, and you say, I don't know how I ended up like this. I don't know how I ended up in this position. And sometimes we need to hear God say to us, now that's what you were aiming for. Now that's, that's direction you were going. That's the direction your life was going. And, and y'all, it is the truth of God that is to be our alignment. And you're going to see this today from Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, I'm going to begin reading in verse 17. We're only going to look today at a little phrase in verse 21 and the idea of repentance. In Acts chapter 20, you have Paul about to leave. He calls together uh, the Ephesian elders, and he wants to speak to them. This is one of the most fascinating passages in the book of Acts. Chapter 20 ends with them crying, Paul crying, them hugging each other because he's leaving, and they're so thankful for him for the way he has invested in them and taught them, but now he's moving on, heading somewhere else in missions. We we'll start reading in verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him, and when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. The Apostle Paul's ministry was marked by his teaching. He was a traveler, he, he was a worker, but he was a teacher. He had a lot of teaching in his life. He loved to speak to people about the Word of God. And here in verse 21, we have him explaining in a real small uh, statement what he was often teaching, both in public and from house to house. Verse 21. 
testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to spend the rest of our time today talking about repentance toward God. I want to ask you here from the beginning, have you repented and turned your life toward God? Repentance is a Bible word, somewhat of a big word, a heavy word, a spiritual word. It's a word that many people are afraid to use. You don't hear it used too often. I bet it's been a while since you've used the word repent. When it's said that way, it comes across at times as harsh or difficult. Repent simply means to turn. It means to turn around. It doesn't mean to say that you're sorry. It means to be sorry in such a way that you stop doing the thing that you feel sorry for. It means to turn. It means to have conviction of your sin, confess that sin, and turn away from doing that sin. This is a key word in the Bible, repentance. It literally means that you're going this way, and repenting is to turn around and then start going this way. And anytime you have a turn, you turn from one thing and you turn to something else. And so when you repent of your sins, you turn away from the sins and you turn toward God. And that's our phrase here today repentance toward God. Repentance is used all the time in the Bible. I want us to be more and more familiar with it. I want you to feel comfortable with using the word repent. I want you to feel comfortable with embracing repentance in your own life, for it is a mark, it is a characteristic of Christianity. I just want you to hear a few things. When John the Baptist came on the scene early in the Gospels, in in Matthew, you hear John the Baptist start preaching as the one preparing the way for Jesus' coming, and the very word that John the Baptist said in his sermon was repent. Repent, for the kingdom of God is coming. Repent, get ready, turn. Just after that, once Jesus showed up after John the Baptist, in Matthew chapter four, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, quote, repent, for the kingdom of God is here, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus told the people to repent. It is a message that we are using Go a little bit later into the book of Acts where the apostles are now being sent out to go and be God's witnesses throughout all of the world. In Acts chapter two, you have Peter preaching, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Next chapter, chapter three, you hear them preaching, repent therefore and listen, and turn again, this turning, turn again that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When you have Jesus sending out the apostles, where the apostles are doing ministry apart from Jesus. In Mark 6, 12, it says, so they went out and they proclaimed to the people that they should repent. Later in the book of Acts, where we are now, you have the apostle Paul preaching. And he says in Acts chapter 20, verse 21, that we're seeing today, that he went in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Later, in chapter 26, he says that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. At the Areopagus in Athens, Paul would preach this. The times of God, the times of ignorance, God overlooked. But now, listen to this, God commands all people everywhere to repent 
because he has fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. The message of the Bible is that you need to turn your life toward God. And the Bible doesn't work very hard to help you understand what direction your life is going. Because to be honest, all of us, all of our lives are going in different directions. Some of y'all are so about family and some of y'all really place little emphasis on family. Some of y'all are so into work and work that defines you. And some of y'all don't place a lot of emphasis on work, right? All of our lives are being defined by lots of different things. And all of it is not the ideal. The ideal is for our life to be defined by God. And everything, like family, work, or anything else, would make sense. And we would hold it in a healthy perspective because our lives are aimed at God. We must turn our lives toward God. This is the preaching of the Bible. We've seen it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. We see it everywhere. And we see it here that this was what they were about testifying that they should have a repentance toward God. Well, it's important for us to understand that our sins have separated us from God. Our sins are truly something that God does not like. God is uh, appalled by our sinfulness, and it is what separates us from God. And so God, in loving the world, has sent his son Jesus to take the place of us and to die for our sins and to suffer and take the punishment on the cross that whoever turns to him can be forgiven of their sins because what Christ has done. Well, what that looks like what that going and turning to Jesus looks like is a acknowledging the sin, being honest about whatever it is, and turning our lives toward God, recognizing Jesus is our Savior, recognizing that he is the King, he is the Lord. And once we have turned, then we feel differently about what we were going for, and we feel differently about God. We have turned away from sin, and we have turned toward God. Thomas Watson gives six ingredients of genuine repentance. Listen to this. Number one, we have the sight of sin. We recognize sin. Number two, we have sorrow over sin. It upsets us that we sin. Number three, we have confession of sin. We say out loud that our sin is wrong, that our sin bothers us. He goes on to say, Sorrow is such a vehement passion that it must vent out of us. It vents itself at the eyes by weeping and at the tongue by confession. After you see sin, after there is sorrow over sin, there is confession of sin. Number four, there is shame of sin. There is shame of sin. Now, if you don't know Christ to be the, the golden treasure, if you, don't know Christ, if you don't know Christ to be the anchor and the foundation of life, if you don't know Christ to be the all-satisfying thing, then you're going to hate any and all conversation that mentions shame. We can admit that. You're not going to like any conversation about there being real shame in this life and in this world apart from Christ. But the Bible says that in him we are so accepted and received that we can admit that that gave me shame, but this gives me joy. Turning toward God, I find the answer and satisfaction of life. Not turning to God creates shame. For shame, he says, 
May there be in our communities of faith more blushing and less boasting when it comes to sin. Number five, hatred of sin. Once we have had sorrow over it and confessed it and felt the shame of it, then we start to hate it the way God hates it. We don't like sin in our lives. We don't like sin anywhere. He goes on to say that Christ is never loved until sin is loathed. That's a nice little quote. Christ is never loved until sin is loathed. You see that a lot in this nominal, watered-down, weak Christianity where people want to say that they trust in God, but they do not love and follow Christ. Sin does not bother them. But where sin bothers us, Christ is treasured because he is the redeemer, the savior uh, out of sin. And then finally, number six, a turning from sin. So there's sight of sin, sorrow over sin, confession of sin, shame of sin, hatred of sin that results in the turning away from sin. That's when you have repentance toward God. R.C. Sproul says this, listen to this. Repentance means changing one's mind so that your views, your values, your goals and ways are changed and one's whole life is lived differently. Mind and judgment, will and affections, behavior and lifestyle, motives and plans, all are involved. Repenting means starting to live a new life. Repentance means that because of what you have heard and understood about God, you would turn away from whatever you're living for and turn to God. Repentance doesn't mean that whatever we're living for is bad in and of itself. It means that it is wrong and out of place if God is not in view. So if you're trying to focus on work or family or any other good thing, just being a good person, apart from God, you're out of line. But when we turn toward God, God empowers us to say, I want to be a family person the way God wants me to. I want to be a working person the way God wants me to. I want to be a community person the way God wants me to be. And then God, through the forgiveness of sins, begins to define our lives. Repentance toward God. I remember one time my family was doing a family get-together in West Virginia, way up in the, in the Appalachian Mountains, really far from here. And after that ended, we needed to head back down to North Carolina for just a little bit. And we were going to North Carolina, and we had never, ever driven that direction before. So we were just going, and we were following our GPS. And one of the things about GPS, for as awesome as it is, is it makes us blind as can be as to where we're actually going. We are all in on trusting that it's going to get us there. And eventually, we found ourselves kind of going up more. The roads started getting a little bit smaller and smaller, and the traffic started getting less and less. And it's one of those things where I started thinking, like, this doesn't quite seem right. And before we knew it, we were up in some holler saying, you have arrived. And I thought to myself, this, this ain't where we were supposed to be going. You know what, y'all? We were going. Music was on. We're having a good time. We had a little TV camera playing for the kids in the back, watching a movie. We were on the road. We were going. Seemed like everything was good. We were going the wrong direction. We didn't know we were going the wrong direction until we ended up in a place that we weren't trying to get to. We ended up disappointed. We ended up very frustrated because now we were hours out of the way 
We don't want that to happen to us in our lives. I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want that to happen to anybody that I know. And so the Bible teaches us that we are to be a repentant people. The Bible actually uses the phrase continual repentance. Now the Bible distinguishes the difference between a worldly sorrow and a godly sorrow, right? Lots of people are bothered about things, but is it to the depth that you're willing to say, this so bothers me that I'm now going to turn to God and get my aim on him, get my direction on him, that I'm going toward him? And if that's gonna be the case, that your life has been turned toward God, that is a continual thing. Then you are always wanting to have the renewing of your mind, that you are always wanting to set your eyes on the things above, that you are always wanting to follow Christ day in and day out, looking to him toward God. We need to do that. We need to be a people whose lives are directed toward God. Well, today I want to, in using a couple other passages, just give two ideas around repentance. That would be that there is an inner turning toward God and there is an outer turning toward God. So sometimes we want to say that just one of those is enough to settle us down. A lot of times we will feel this inner, this bothers me or that's not okay with me or my my conscience is kind of conflicted, but it's not enough to turn us. And we kind of use that as this kind of gauge or barometer to to remind ourselves that we're a good people. My my conscience doesn't bother me. Or my conscience does bother me, but it doesn't turn me. The Bible wants us to see that it is an inner turning, but it's also an outer turning. We know a lot of people who want to define whether they've repented or not based off their actions, and they never really get honest enough about what's going on on the inside. The Bible speaks to both of those with repentance, and I want to show that. Look with me, if you will, at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is the passage that we read just a few minutes ago. Austin read it here in the service. I want you to see how the Bible speaks about turning toward God. Turning toward God. On the inside, with your heart, with your mind, with the way you think, with the way you feel. 2 Corinthians 3 We'll start reading in verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds, listen to this, their minds were hardened. The way they thought in their head, their understanding was hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, That same veil remains unlifted. Look at this. Because only through Christ it is taken away. So picture repentance. You're going this way and you turn your life toward God. It is only through Christ that you can turn your life toward God. Only through Christ can you turn your life toward God. And that's what you have here. Verse 15. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. 
Listen, these are people who love the Ten Commandments. When the Bible says Moses, it's referring to the law of God. It's referring to the first five books of the Bible. These are people who say, man, I love God. I'm a, I'm a Jew. I love the Bible. God gave his word to us. His commandments are so true. You know, I'm really just trying to be a good godly person. I read the Bible. I want to obey it. I'm trying my best to keep the Ten Commandments. That's what he's talking about. He says their hearts are hard and their hearts are veiled. They don't see Christ. They see the Bible, but they don't see Christ. They don't see forgiveness. They don't see redemption. They read the word of God and they think, yep, that, that's me. I'm just trying my best to live that out. Y'all, that's not us. That is not Christianity. Now, if you want to say through surrender and bowing my knee and repentance and faith in Christ, that's what I'm trying to do. Just live faithfully to God through Jesus. That works, but that's way different than what he's saying. He's saying they read the Bible and they don't understand I need a savior. They read the Bible and they think, I'm just trying to live that. If you're here today thinking, I went to church today, I'm just trying my best to be a good person, you are blinded. There's a veil over your heart. You're not seeing Jesus as the one who died for you. You've not repented. You've not turned toward When somebody turns toward God, they say, I need you. I can't keep these Ten Commandments by myself. As much as I try, I still fall short. I break them. I disobey. I'm not the standard. I need a Savior. Verse 15 says, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Verse 16, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And God opens up their eyes and God opens up their heart and God opens up the floodgates of his mercy and forgiveness of sins and he receives them. Church, hear me today. When somebody repents of their sins, God receives them. God welcomes sinners into his family through the repentance of sins and faith in Christ. When anybody, and I seriously mean anybody, turns their life from their sin to Christ as the treasure, God God receives them. When you cry out to God and say, God, I don't have anything to bring, but I know Jesus is everything and I will accept him. When you do that, God receives you. He receives you. He receives you. They are blinded. They are hearted. But when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Charles Spurgeon said, I can no more believe that Christ will repulse a sinner than I can look up to the sun and believe that it will ever freeze me. That son will never freeze you. And Jesus will never reject you if you turn from your sins and turn to him. But this is an inner turning to God, and you see this here because it's a hardened heart. It is a veil over the eyes, a veil over the hearts. It's the inability to see Christ as something that you need. It's the inability to see him as a savior. It is an inner turning to God when one turns to the Lord. And see, this is where the Bible wants us to think about spiritually. Now, the Bible does want us to think both inner and outer. It wants us to think about our actions and our deeds. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But the Bible also wants you to address what's going on on the inside. The Bible also wants you to speak to your emotions and your thoughts and your feelings. What is the motive, right? Jesus often talked about what you did. He talks about adultery on the outside. He talks about adultery in the heart. He talks about anger on the outside. He talks about anger in the heart, right? 
I love Proverbs 4.23. You may know this verse. It says, guard your heart with all vigilance, for from your heart flow the springs of life. Guard your heart. Do not let your heart get hard. Do not let your heart get distracted. Do not let your heart love things more than God. Do not let your heart tell you this morning that I'm doing good enough. I don't need to turn toward God. Do not be like me playing golf thinking, I'm, well, my aim's pretty good. It just ain't good enough. No, no, no. You need to aim yourself toward God. You need to repent. You need to say, I'm not really sure what I'm living for. Haven't even figured that thing out yet. But I know it ain't God. And today I want to turn my life toward God. That's an inner turning. Before you need to get up and say anything, before you need to walk an aisle or get into a baptistry, before you need to do anything outwardly, you need to let your heart on the inside say, I need to repent. I need to turn toward God. That needs to be an inner turning, but not just an inner turning. It needs to be an outer turning. Turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 2. Turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 2. This is the last book of the Bible. As soon as it gets through with chapter 1, this is a letter written, written by John. And he writes here in chapters 2 and 3 short little uh, uh, addresses to seven different churches, real churches. The church at Ephesus, church at Smyrna, church at Pergamum, church at Thyatira, church at Sardis, church at Philadelphia, and the church at Laodicea. He writes seven different messages to seven different churches, and they're all a little bit different. To five of those seven churches, he tells them they need to repent. They need to turn themselves back toward God. Now, don't get me wrong, they're a church. They're still doing some good things. They're still meeting together, right? They may still be singing together. They may still be giving together. They may still feeding football teams together. They may still be doing a lot of things, but they are not directed toward God. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So they need to repent. But notice that it's here often an outer turning. They need to change some things in their lives. Look at chapter 2, verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did it first. Repenting is inner, but it's also outer. Imagine how many things you used to do living for God, and now you don't do those anymore. Imagine that you used to pray. Consider that you used to give. Consider that you used to go. Consider that you used to have conversations with coworkers and neighbors about Jesus. Consider that you used to bring people to church with you. Consider that you used to ask God for the forgiveness of sins and you have not asked God for the forgiveness of sins in a long time. Consider the works that you used to do for the glory of God, trusting in Christ that you no longer do. And he says, you need to repent. You need to get back to those. Look at chapter two, verse 16. These, this church in Pergamum has bought into false teaching. Look at verse 14. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent. Stop believing that bad doctrine. Stop listening to those people. Stop trusting in that message, that's not the right message. 
Your life is still looking like it's going toward God, but you have brought these things in it that don't have you going toward God anymore, and you need to repent. And so this life that has turned toward God has somehow ventured out of the way just a little bit, and they need to repent. Look at chapter 2, verse 22. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. The church there was living unfaithful to God. It was marked by adultery, and God says you need to repent of that. He goes on, chapter 3, verse 3, chapter 3, verse 19. He speaks to the church at Sardis. He, he speaks to the church at Laodicea. But you see God saying, this that you're doing does not honor me. This that you're doing is not a characteristic of godly Christian living. This does not make Christ Jesus look like the Lord and Savior that he is. This does not, look like, this does not make Christ Jesus as the exalted one who is deserving of worship. This does not make Jesus look like the life changer that he is. So what do they need to do? They need to repent. They need to turn back toward God. Outwardly. So we see that with repentance, it is a turning toward God inward from the inner and a turning toward God outwardly with the outer. Both what our heart feels and loves and desires and both with what our lives do. We need to repent. We need to turn toward God. You ever been driving down the road and for whatever reason, you had to take your hands off the wheel. Now, you know you shouldn't text and drive and you shouldn't get distracted and all that kind of stuff, but I'm just saying your hands come off the wheel for whatever reason. You're answering a phone call, you're drinking a coffee, you're changing the radio station, you're doing something and your hands are off the road and you don't even turn the steering wheel, right? And because all of our alignment's out of perfection, it starts to just go this way a little bit, right? And then you get into that game of how long can I keep my hands off the wheel before I'm like way over there? Nobody ever turned the wheel and yanked it that way. Your car just starts drifting, barely drifting. But if you wait long enough, seriously, like 10 seconds, you're way over there, right? If you're not aimed at the right thing before you know it, you're way off track. And if that ain't the truth with my life and your life, guys, then we're not being honest. If you're not aiming at the right thing, you're way off track. The Bible wants us to hear. We need to repent toward God. We need to turn back toward him. I want to ask you here today if you're ready to do that. Would you be so honest here today to say, I need to get focused on the Lord. I don't have the worst intentions in the world. I don't have the worst directions. But I can be honest that it's not aimed at God. Well, the word for that is repentance. It is a turning from and a turning to Jesus who died for us, who loves us, who will receive us. One of the best studies in the Bible, guys, 
is the compassionate heart of God. The Bible actually exalts God's mercy and forgiveness so high that it says he will receive anybody that turns to him. We know stories in the Bible of murderers, of adulterers, of terrorists. We know stories in the Bible of people that we would think are really, really bad guys. But when they repent and they truly turn away from that and be honest about that it was not for God and they set their eyes on Christ Jesus as a life changer and they turn toward God, you know what we see in the Bible? God receives them. If anybody turns to Christ, he will not turn them away. I want to encourage you today to repent and trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so very much for this idea of turning our lives toward you. God, help us to be honest about repentance, that it is a big word. It does mean that we cannot continue going that way, but it means we can turn to something better than our own ways, turn to you. Father, we ask today that your Holy Spirit would lead us to repentance. God, we ask that here today that we would not be a church, that we would not be members of a church, that we would not be a part of a church, that our lives are not directed for you. That's a contradiction, and we are convicted of that. Oh, Father, lead us to repentance, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.